All right. As most of you have seen in the video, we do suffer from pain. We have suffering in our lives, and, and the responses we get from all over the place is just different. Whether you ask somebody in church that grew up in church their whole life what pain and suffering is, or whether you're out on the street and you ask somebody passing by. And many people get their strength from different places as well when they don't know who God is. You know, this week, uh, we're going to start, we're going to be talking about pain and suffering. And uh, I had the great time this week, of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, of spending three days with the head people at Lifeway. Lifeway writes a lot of the curriculum that we use, and they were in charge of Lifeway kids. And they're the top ones you see in the videos online and stuff like that. And so it was a great time of doing that and visiting with them. And I got to meet one of the guys that is in the Gospel Project videos that we use. And he did a quick video for the kids where it says, Hi, Murphy Road Kids. And so your kids are celebrities now and that kind of thing. So they love that, especially with the Bible story today coming from that same guy's voice. And so it was like really cool then because, wow, there's a, kid's vo- there's a guy's voice. He says, Murphy Road Kids. He knows us, that kind of thing. So it's really neat. But I, I had a great time. It was in Nashville. There's never a problem going to Nashville. Nashville's an awesome place if you've never been. Just to look around, see different things. And so I'm coming back from this trip. I've been working on a sermon for a couple of weeks and kind of going through things. And I get home, and I, as you, some of you may not know, but my wife and I have four kids. And so I get home, and I'm, I get home, and I talk to my wife. And I was even talking last night, you know, we don't really deal with as much pain and suffering. Okay, guys, don't throw that out to your wife after you've been gone for three days, okay? Now, my wife was very gracious about it, and that's why I'm here today to stand before you. But, so, you don't just toss that out, because then you get reminded that, yes, we do. We do have a lot. We've got a lot that we went through. You know, whether it was from not being able to have kids, to having kids, but each one of them having to be born three, three weeks early, because of different complications. Uh, one, my oldest, Caleb, had the, you know, the umbilical cord wrapped around twice around his neck. If things would have happened the way they would, Caleb may not be here. You know? when, and then we got to Carissa, and Carissa had trouble breathing at first. And then all of a sudden, she could breathe. I remember one of the nurses coming in saying, we don't know what happened, but she can breathe really well now. Now, us in this room know what happened. You know, God had healed her during that time. Then we had Caitlin. Caitlin came out breathing, not breathing at all at first. We deal with so many different things in our lives. Now, Cade, if you know Cade, that's enough. I can just stop right there, okay? Y'all know Cade. Cade is, uh, Cade is a handful in itself. But besides that, we've had surgeries. We've had different things we've all had to deal with. And things that in our own life we've, we've struggled with. It may not be something where we're dealing with something internal like cancer ourselves. Or something where, you know, we lost a job. Or maybe we have. You know, I remember uh, one time getting a, a phone call, first day back after camp. Kids camp, coming off the high kids camp, returning to work the next day, and being laid off. That's not a good feeling at all. And wondering, whoa, now what are we going to do? Where's, where's the next paycheck coming from? What are we going to do now? I know some of you have been there. What do, what do we do? Why do we have to deal with this? We serve God. We love God. We're here on Sundays. We put our tithe in the plate. We, take, we teach our kids who God is. You know, maybe God's just not upholding his end of the deal. Hmm. Went to a uh, family Christian bookstore last week. and was looking through some books, and I wanted to see a reaction that I get from people. So I went and got, grabbed one of the books, and a particular title said, Should We Fire God? Now, take that book carrying around right on top of your books one day and see what happens. 
You get all kinds of weird looks. So I'm taking that, and I've got it with me on the airplane in Nashville. And uh, I'm sitting next to a guy. He's in sales. And we get to talking, and he's really looking weird at my book. And so we get to talking a little bit. I said, what are you in sales of? And he said, well, cemetery funeral homes. I said, okay, this is going to be an interesting ride here. I was like, so, your sales should be great, right? And he just kind of looked at me weird. I said, people are dying to buy your product. I mean, come on. And he said, yeah, okay, whatever. Where's the peanuts? You know, we're on Southwest. And so he really didn't, didn't care for what I had to say after that because he'd heard that before. It was all good. But I had that book, and he was just like really looking weird at it. You know, sometimes we ask that question, is God really doing what he should be doing? We're dealing with pain and suffering. Where is God in this thing? And why do we have to do it? Why do we have to go through pain and suffering? What happened along the way? You know, as we go through this, there's a few things we're not going to do. Today, I'm sorry, but we're probably not going to solve the issue of pain and suffering. Why it happens. Or when you walk out of here, I'm not going to say go and have no more pain and suffering. Because that's not the way it works, okay? We're not going to minimize pain and, and just at the end say, all you need to do is just pray. You just must not be praying hard enough. No, it's not that way, okay? Or that, uh, you know, we're not going to tell you that your situation will get better. Just, you need to just have more faith. Does the Bible say that anywhere, that people suffered more because they just didn't have enough faith? No. You know, there's so many things in the Bible just... People, some of the most faithful people, if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about the, we call it the hall of fame of faith. Look at in those people's lives, what happened. Or the lives of the disciples and how they died. Many of them were crucified upside down because they didn't want to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. But the things that they went through, and children's church were studying Paul. And uh, we're studying a lot about Paul. The kids said, we've been doing Paul six weeks. Now, that's a long time in a kid's life. But as we talk about Paul, he went through a lot, didn't he? He went through a lot of pain and suffering and getting arrested and things like that. So he went through a lot. Now, as we talk about that, I'm reminded of a hymn of when I grew up. And the hymn writer's name uh, was a guy named Horatio Spafford. Horatio was a prominent lawyer in Chicago. He had tons, I mean, he was very wealthy. He was the guy to know. And so he took his wealth, and in 19, 1871, he lived in the 1800s, he invested it all in real estate north of Chicago because he saw Chicago growing and growing to the north. And real estate is not a bad investment, right, most times? And so he put his money in there. Later that year in October, had the great fire of Chicago. And it destroyed most of his investment. So he's hurting from that, reeling from that already. And uh, then his wife is having health issues as well. So in November 1873, they said, let's just go to England. He was good friends with D.L. Moody, Ira Swinky. They were over in England doing some uh, crusading and preaching and things like that. And so he was going to go over for an extended vacation, spend some time with them. And right before he left, he had some real estate issues he had to tend to. And so he stayed back. So he sent his wife and four girls on the trip alone. Okay, as I mentioned with four kids, that's enough work in itself. But sent them all alone, and uh, he stayed back. Nine days later, he gets a te- telegram from his wife. He said, saved alone. What do I do? See, the vessel that she was on was hit by, another German, by a British vessel. She was the only one of her family that survived. The only one that lived. All four of her children had passed away. All four of her daughters. And so she was there in England. What do I do? So Horatio dropped everything then. 
got on a boat. He was headed that way. And on the way, the captain, the captain of the ship called him up and said, Hey, Horatio, I need to show you about this area. This is the area where the wreckage happened. This is where your daughters were killed in the wreck and drowned. And at that point, Horatio started penning a letter. His, his uh, daughter that was uh, born later on, his older, youngest daughter, uh, said at that point he went to his room and he started writing. And he wrote the, word, the words to the song that we know so well, It is well with my soul. When the first verse of that says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever thy lot that has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now in peaceful times, sure, we can actually do that. I mean, it's, that's easy, right? Things are going great. Yeah, praise God. Everything's wonderful. But when sorrows like sea billows roll, man, imagine going to the beach and sitting there and you see one wave come in and it goes out a little bit. Another wave come in. Sometimes they get bigger. Sometimes they get smaller. Just as the sea continues to build, billow in and, and continue to roll in, Whatever thy life, whatever, God, you, whatever you've brought my way, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's the song we've sung many times. If you've been to funerals, you've probably heard the tune before and what an impact it, it makes. Because God has taught us that. But why? Why is pain and suffering there? If you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2 with me. Genesis chapter 2, in the very beginning of the Bible, uh, I was teaching the kids, Genesis, we teach them how to use their Bibles. You can use your Bible, turn it on. Uh, And so as we do that, we tell them, go to the table of contents. Genesis in the beginning. And there's a song we sing, Genesis means beginning. If it were anywhere else in the Bible, it would be kind of awkward, right? So uh, the kids get it anyway. Uh, I'm just playing. So Genesis chapter 2, okay, verses 15 through 17. And uh, what I learned is uh, if you get the scripture to the ministry team, it gets on the screen. It's kind of cool. So when you don't, then you get to, to read it yourself. And so it's all good. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so God puts him in the garden and says, You can tend to this. You can eat of anything here. Except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, those of us who have, have read the Bible and know the story, we know what happens. Has any of you, parents in the room, and I know there are probably some that will say no, no, especially my parents over here, they'll say no, it never happened. But have any of you had kids that have disobeyed you? Yeah, see, my parents didn't even raise their hand. Good, okay, awesome, all right. Or, or what about you? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Now, it would be so much easier as parents if we just said, God, we're having kids, and you're going to make them obey everything I say, and it's going to be awesome. They're going to love me because they just have to. I mean, you already set it up. It's good. And everything I do, they're just going to obey, and things are going to be great. But it doesn't work that way. If we were forced to do things, many of us would not want to do it, right? Or if we were forced to love God, obey our parents, Never eat from the tree or anything like that. You know, it would have been great if they wouldn't have eaten from it. But God gives us a thing called free will. He wants us to make that choice. Now, this is a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, can do all these things, but he gives us the choice. He wants to give us the choice of what we do in life. He gives us the choice of how we live, how we raise our families, 
where we are on Sunday. He gives us the choice of accepting him as Lord or not. And most, many of us will make that choice. Some of you, some of us may not. But he gives us that choice. Because through that choice, our love for him is that much more. If we were forced to do things, things are different. Imagine your job. There are things in your job that you're made to do that you just really don't care for. If you were made to do certain things, you may not like it as much. But God gives us a choice. He gives us free will. In Genesis chapter 3, we read that he didn't eat. I mean, he did eat from the tree. Okay? And so he ate from it. God has said the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust, you will return to dust. God gives us free will. Now, what if, we, what if you were able to say, okay, well, let me just take that sin out right now. C.S. Lewis writes, and I was reading some of his stuff, and that stuff is deep. Wow, if you ever get the chance to read C.S. Lewis, do it, because it's really cool. He wrote Chronicles of Narnia and things like that. He wrote some other books, too, that are like really deep theology and things like that, that you might want to try out. But one of them, The Problem of Pain, and I started reading it. And uh, in the introduction, I didn't get very far past the introduction because it was so deep for me. And as he was saying, he said, to really understand where pain and suffering comes from, you really have to understand the basis of Christianity. I said, wait a minute. To really understand where it comes from, you've got to understand the basis of Christianity. You've got to understand that God gave us that choice, and we messed it up. And since then, things have continued. He gave us free will, but we keep messing that up. We keep doing things that we, we shouldn't do. And so the, those things are there. And so if you were to take those out altogether, C.S. Lewis writes, try to exclude the possibility of suffering which the order of nature and the existing of free will involve, and you will find that you exclude life itself. It wouldn't be the great life that we're living. It's so intertwined that to pull one, you'd pull the other. And, and you'd pull life out of it altogether. Okay? Sure, he can eliminate sin, but in that same stretch, you know, he would eliminate us too. He would take us out of it because we're so intertwined as sinful people. That as he pulled on that, he'll pull at us too. Even us that have, you know, we're in church as much as we can, and we'll pray to God as much as we can, there's still the sinful nature that's inside of us. And uh, turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to go through a different passage that is just a little different, especially when you read the surface of it, of the Scripture, how it's going to be a very happy passage. But as we look into the background of the passage and where it came from and when it came, uh, we're going to see uh, kind of what happened in the time of his writing. So Philippians chapter 4. I ask the kids now, because Philippi, Paul wrote a letter to Philippi. What was that called? And they knew Philippians, so it's good. Y'all are doing a great job teaching your children of you know, what the Bible is and where it, where it comes from, how things are done. We've been talking about letters and things like that that Paul wrote, and so it's a great job. So uh, uh, it's a great time of that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Starting in verse uh, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known by to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and, peti- put, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the Lord of peace will be with you. Okay, so what, what this passage is, is saying, focus on the good things. Rejoice in the Lord always. And talking about how we should keep our minds on those things. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, approach it in prayer. Those are great verses. Awesome verses to, to live by. But let's step back to the time of when this happened. It was a letter to Philippi. Philippi was a city right outside of Rome. And if you were a soldier and a leader in the Roman group, as your 401k, they gave you land in Philippi. And they gave you land over in that area, and it was quite a bit of land. So there's, Philippi was filled of military leaders all around. Now, there was a smaller church in Philippi, and so they were serving God and worshiping there. Okay? And so this was around uh, 80, 53, 50, what did I have? Yeah, 59 to 63. Okay? It's when Paul wrote this letter to Philippi. Okay, so God is leading Paul to write this letter. Paul writes the letter. It gets to Philippi. They're reading it. Okay, anything that happens, we're supposed to focus on God. You know, praise him in all things. Uh, continue thinking about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, all these great things. Well, guess what? In AD 64, the very next year after when Paul would have written this letter, a fire broke out in Rome. It's a great fire of Rome. And it burned about 70% of uh, the parts that it was in. It it burned for six days. Now, Nero was leader of Rome at the time. And so Nero blamed the Christians. He blamed the Christians because they they started. Now, there are rumors and there are historians that believe that Nero probably did it because it was in the lower performing areas. He wanted to burn them out, restart, and things like that. But he had the opportunity to blame it on the Christians. Nero was also the one that put the Christians into the Colosseum and fight with the gladiators and things like that. A lot of brutal things happened to the Christians back in that day. We read about Paul, the things he faced, but even just the Christians of that day, how they faced horrible torture and things like that. Okay, so, so that's going on. So he's blaming the Christians. Okay, so now you're living in Philippi with all these older military leaders, and you're the Christians. They're getting tormented. They're getting tortured. They're, all these horrible things are happening to the Christians that live there and all throughout the Roman Empire. Okay, so why, if God knew that that was going to happen, because we have an all-knowing God, right? We have a God that's all-powerful, can do all things. Why didn't he tell Paul to write the words, Run! Get out of here! Run! Go away! Get away from this military area or out of Rome altogether, because bad things are going to happen. But no, he even goes over the top with this, saying, don't worry about anything, but in everything pray to God. Think about good things. Think about all these great things. Think about what God has done for us. Think about, you know, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just, all these things. They knew suffering was going to happen. God did. Paul, Paul didn't know what was going to happen, but God did. God knew what they were going to face. God knows what we're going to face in our lives. God knows what you're going to face next week. You know, I, I was meeting this week, like I said, with the people from Lifeway. This week they decided what the VBS is for 2017. And I said, oh, you've got to tell me. I've got to know because if you know me, we're already buying things on clearance for next VBS, okay? <laughs> uh, because I shop clearance, I would get all kinds of things. And so we're already shopping for those. 
And next, next year it's submerged. It's under the sea. So we bought all kinds of summer inflatables at the end of the summer because we like to save money and do this kind of thing. So I was like, you've got to tell me. You've got to tell me. And no, we can't. We keep a secret. Now, that's minor. VBS team now. I've got VBS people in here. So that's major to you guys, okay? <laughs> VBS is major. So, but in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to pain and suffering, that's minor compared to what we deal with in our lives. God knew what was going to happen. But God instructed them to focus on him, to focus on living their life for him, training them to worship him. Because God wasn't as focused on wanting us to focus on the why. Why did this happen to me? What is going on? But he wants us to focus on what now? You know, once things happen to us, once things happen and we, we don't know what's going on, we don't know why things are happening, but the more we dwell on it, does it help anything? No, it doesn't. I remember when I was in, in high school, uh, I had a, uh, my grandfather passed away. And I remember sitting there and thinking, why? Why did this happen? My grandfather was someone I saw of intense strength, of just strength in God. When I saw him, he was at church. Even when I was practicing piano, we'd go to the church and we'd practice. He'd take a nap there on the pew, and if I ever stopped, he'd say, get back to practicing. He knew. Okay, it's like the voice of God talking, kind of talking to you. But he, knew, he was someone I saw of a great strength and a great Christianity in the Lord. He had surgery. He had an aneurysm and, and didn't make it out of surgery. And all I could think was, why? Why did this happen to someone that I truly loved, that I had great, just uh, was a great inspiration to us? But does that do anything when we think that? No. When things happen to us, God doesn't want to focus on the why, but what now? What, where do we go from this avenue? And if you think back in your life, if you've, through the pains and sufferings, you know, if we really think about it, God has grown us through these things. You know, I mentioned the things that us as a family have faced. We're stronger because of it. Our marriage is stronger because of the things we've faced. Because of the things that we've gone through, uh, we've grown stronger in that. As a Christian, as the things that you have faced in your own life, You've grown stronger from that. God has used those things to grow us. Now, being a, a children's pastor, I can't do anything with a problem. I started with a conehead, but I figured y'all would, we, we have some issues with that. Because, but I always have to have a prop. Now, this is a rope. Y'all figured that one out, sorry. It's a long rope. All right, so... This is a long rope. And on this end, I have a green band on this end. Now, we, we worry so many times about what goes on in our life, and we think it's a grand, huge thing. Our life is so huge, and this is impacting so much of it. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of here. I don't know how I'm going to make it through here. But you know what? As Christians, we've got to think far beyond where we are right now or where we are tomorrow, or next week. Are the pumpkins going to sell because they're burnt orange? Probably not, but oh well, well, we'll make it through, right? So, we've got to think past that. We've got to think past the whole eternity of where our life is. You know, if you look at this rope, I've got a green end on this end. This, this section right here represents our life. If this represents our life, this two and a half inches, being an engineer, I did measure it, this two and a half inches represents the things that we go through. Here's, here's where we had trouble having kids. Here's the, the suffering that we went through. Here's me coming back from a trip and saying, oh, we had no suffering and looking at a wife and, and getting in trouble. So all these things that we face throughout life, 
death of parents, death of grandparents, you know, losing a job, all these things. But when we look at it, when we pass, when we die, it's these things, all of this time, that is important. The eternity of living with God. You know, if I look at this part right here, this part being the two and a half inches on a 35-foot rope, this would represent our life. If this represents our life, this is, you know, even this rope, as long as it is, doesn't even reflect the total length of eternity of our time with God. As we look at the things we're, we're going through, the different difficulties, different struggles, yes, they're so important to us right now. They so impact us day to day, and I don't want to belittle that. They're so important. But when it comes to the grand scheme of things, the grand scheme of our entire life, the eternal life impact, you know, it's getting us ready. It's the what now? How can I grow from this? What can I learn? How can my dependence on God grow greater? No, I shouldn't fire God. God didn't leave me. He's still right here. He's still right here with me. And you flip over to Romans chapter 5. We'll go to Romans chapter 5, and we'll continue on with this. And as we look at the, the suffering in our life, God does love us. God cares so much about us for what he did for us. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that afflictions produces endurance, Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. This hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though a good person, perhaps someone might die for or dare to die, but God proves his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, the first part it talks about what well, affliction produces endurance. And think about back to your high school days, or even now many of you still run. If you see me running, you better run too, okay? And faster than me, because there must be something really big running after me, okay? But affliction, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. You've had to go through this. You've lived this. Your character is proven. Where do you stand? Are you following God? Are you sitting there on, your, on the stump of the log saying, why? Why me? Why this? Proven character, proven character produces hope. Hope that this green thing didn't last the whole rope. It's just this first beginning. Hope that we have when we accept Christ as Lord and we pass on from this life, we've got all the rest of this to live, worshiping God, living there, serving God the rest of our eternity. It's going to be amazing. No more suffering, no more pain. There is an end to it. We did solve that part, sorry. After you die and go to heaven, there's an end to it. So pain and suffering. But until then, we deal with it. And it's just that first part of what our whole life looks like. But look at this next part. For while we were yet helpless, while we were yet sinners, at the appointed moment, God has a plan for all of this. God has a plan for what happens when. At the appointed moment, Christ died for us. You know, I, I was reading one of the books this week, and uh, it said, uh, where was God in all this? Where was God? You know, we believe a God that never turns his back on us. We talk in children's church, God doesn't step out of the room. He doesn't go golfing. He doesn't even leave to go to the restroom. 
He's God. He's always there, always watching us. When Jesus died and was on the cross, he wasn't able just to leave and not even worry about it anymore. That was his son. Yes, did, he, did all the sin of the world get cast upon him? Yes. Can God be right there with sin? No, it can't. What did Jesus say on the cross? God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was there. God, in the form of Jesus, in the form of man, took on the sin of the world and died for us. Did he wait for us to get better? No. When you come down to the front of the church and, and ask for forgiveness, do we will say, you know, why don't you just better your life a little bit first? Uh, make sure you get all the sin kind of cleaned up, and then we'll talk to you. No, we don't, because God doesn't either. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While there were things in our lives that we're going through, Christ died for us. He loves us that much. When we're going through these difficult times, God loves us that much. Because he doesn't want to just stay there, it, it leads to something else. Endurance, proven character, and hope. Because we know we're not going to be in that suffering forever. We're going to continue on. So God was doing something back then when, when the people failed. You know, the Bible could have stopped at Genesis 3. You know, the people disobeyed God, and the Bible would be this big. But the rest of this book, every letter on these pages, is all about God bringing us back to Him. Not leaving us there, but trying to work, trying to continue bringing us back him working through our sufferings working through our pain to bring us back to him he continues doing that and he's going to be working with us in the future too he does not give up on us he's always there with us and we do have a future hope a hope with him that we live forever okay for continuing on and is as well with the soul as well with my soul and in the next verse it says though satan should buffet though trials shall come let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I'll bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And skipping down to verse 6, because we always do the first few and the last one, right? And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Remember in verse 1, he said, you know, when good times, when peace, or when, when sorrow comes, it is well with my soul. Even when Jesus comes back in the end, just as though, it is well with my soul. It's an exciting time. Jesus has died for us, died for on the cross for us. And when he comes back, it's going to be a super exciting time. Because he, he's there for us and there with us. So why didn't he come now? Why didn't he just stop all this? And come now. Why do we still have to go through this? Why have you endured all this pain and suffering? Listen to me today. But it's because he has a verse for that as well. In 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord does not delay his promise. As some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Not wanting anyone to perish. We look back to a verse that we say quite often, especially with the children. And us as adults, we kind of gloss over it from time to time. But it's one you see at football games on Sunday afternoon as well, in the stands, behind the goalpost, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, for God so loved each and every one of us, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not continue to death. I mean, their, their string doesn't end with just the green part. 
He, he wants none of us to perish. He wants all of us to accept him. Why is he delayed? There are still people he's waiting on to accept him as Lord. And by, I'm just so thankful he waited this long, you know? Because for many of us to accept Christ, what if he came, you know, before we accepted him? Some of us in this room had, didn't even accept Christ until we were adults. Praise God, you accepted Christ. We're excited for you in that. But God is still working. And we know people in our lives that God, you know, is, just, is not Lord of their life yet. We're here. Let's work with them. Let's encourage them. Let's witness to them. Because God is patient. God is a loving God. But God wants to know them. God wants to give them eternal life as well. So, pain and suffering, no, we don't, we don't solve exactly where pain and suffering comes from. But we know God does give us free will. God does give us a choice because he loves us that much. Because he loves us so much, he gives us the will to choose him. And he's not one to just end it all and just say, nope, we're done. There will be a day when he does that and returns. But he's a patient God. He's trying to give all of us a chance to turn to him turn our lives to him, and just have him as Lord. Accept him. for he, is. he accepted us. What does the Bible say? When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Accept him as Lord because he loves us so much. <clears throat> we can continue on and talk, but it's already noon. So now I'm just playing. Uh, God loves us that much that he cares so much about us. We're going to continue facing struggles and pain in our lives, but he loves us. And so accept him as Lord. Continue on, and especially like in Philippi, think about that. They had awesome, awful times coming, but God has said, think about the great things. Think about these things. Focus on me. In all things, pray and accept him. He will stand with me and pray. Dear God, just thank you for today. Thank you for the, the uh, discussion on pain and suffering, suffering. And this question is one that most people ask. And it's one that will never go away. But Lord, we know that through your will, through your love, you want us to focus on what now? Not to, not to throw our own, our own parties of why, 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 but what now? What can you do for us? Lord, you love us. You care so much about us that you gave your own son for us when we were yet sinners. Lord, thank you for loving us. Speak to our hearts during this time. Uh, if we need to make a decision for you, Lord, just help us to do that. Help us to have the courage to stand up and receive you as Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.